Hey guys, Dustin Wynn, and you're listening to Bat Force Radio. Hey, this is Scott Snyder, and you're listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Paul Dini, listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman, and you're listening to Bat Force Radio, so stay tuned. Welcome back to Bat Force Radio, the DC Batman podcast with no limits. We have an amazing episode today of The Stack. Uh, let's go around the roundtable real quick to see who we got. Over in Canada, we got Robin D. Cross. Hey. Over in Dallas, Texas, we got the Grandpa Batman. Doing well. Um, I'm Bat Force Tom, over in sunny Southern California. First, we're going to talk about some of the other books that came out. Number one being issue two of Batman Damned. A uh, phenomenal first issue from Brian Azzarello and Lee Bermejo. This is the second issue of that run. And it's just been uh, a spectacular, awesome little a book. Uh, and not very little because it's uh, oversized, magazine size, that is. Um, but, all right, let's go, uh, what, initial thoughts, I guess? Like, uh, after uh, you guys finished up that second issue, what do you guys think? Well, first, let's let's put this out there that we're going to spoil the shit out of this book so you need to read if you haven't already go read this book first yeah we come back and listen we post these episodes in like the wee hours of wednesday morning so if you're getting on this right after we post it then there's no way you've read your comics yet so (laughs) you're gonna want to wait until you until you get to the shop there's like two to three hundred people that don't give a shit about spoilers each week we notice i know it's by the time I wake up in the morning, Jesus Christ! Right. Have these yeah. people read their books already? Yeah. Now, I mean, this issue had to actually be pushed back like another month so that the creative team could go in and you know make some revisions that um, maybe DC wasn't totally comfortable with after after a lot of criticism <laughs> and stuff like that. So uh, we're now finally getting issue two and. Um, it's it's picking up where you know at at the end of issue one there was the Joker or what appeared to be the body of Joker you know hung up on a cross and the whole premise of issue one was that Joker was dead they found this body in the river Joker's dead Batman's trying to figure out who did it it was actually and it, he's really dead sorry to interrupt you it was actually a cru- it was it was a crucifix that was defamed in a church so it was actually right, it was okay. the lord jesus christ which uh was my favorite panel out of the whole first issue because of how blasphemous it was um it, it, it looked like an album cover for a band that was a big batman fan right. <laughs> and that was like, as like well if, if, was Mar- like... if, if marduk were really into batman that yeah. would have been an album cover yeah. And and Azarella was like, that was the panel that I was expecting right. to get the most shit about. I didn't but, see anything know, about that anywhere. But now we've got issue two, and it's picking up. You know, Batman's trying to, you know, find out uh, who killed the Joker. You know, and stuff like that. So, uh, starts off, man, awesome little first page. 
Um, what do you guys think about you know Azarello's like storytelling as he's writing this? It's uh, it's definitely a creepy ass fucking story. Um, one of the creepier ones that he's written, I think, just the fact that there's kind of that uh, this the, the the magic element with Constantine, Dead Man, um, what's her name? Um, Enchantress it's, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I the what I really want to do. I mean, I don't think he does podcasts, or I forget if we talk to him or not. But um, I really want to know what what's the deal with uh, Enchantress? If she, if like the stuff, the flashbacks with Bruce when he was younger, is that shit real, or is she like influencing him to have these like made up memories? Because some of the stuff that that Azarello's doing is he's kind of like rewriting the like family history of of bruce's parents right and uh making it look and seem like something that we've never seen before with like it's obviously like there's the infidelity in the first issue that bruce is like witnessing and then there's that scene where martha and him are having a fight and now she's like it looks like she's hiring a private investigator i'm assuming she's looking at pictures of the infidelity um so he's like rewriting this history of this this family history and my question is is this shit fucking real or is this like enchantress uh manipulating bruce as she's uh, appearing to him in the in the present form because she keeps referring back to my like oh my fearless you know fearless boy or whatever so um yeah it's, yeah he's 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 really building a a picture of like a broken family right and it kind of makes me think that the title damned is related to that where Bruce feels like, you know, because of all that going on with his family, that he has a lot of guilt. He's the one that feels damned, you know, not just from the, the Joker aspect, but from that. And maybe Enchantress is tapping into that and trying to manipulate him some way. Yeah. And I think it's also kind of playing with the fact that we still don't, well, again, spoilers. I thought that this issue uh, or the beginning of it, Batman's not convinced that the Joker's dead, specifically referring to the defamation of the crucifix at the end of the first issue. Right. So he's like, oh, the Joker's still out there. You know, I know that was a body that washed up, but, you know, did you see that? Did you see that crucifix? <laughs> um, so I think that he's alluding to the fact that he believes that there's still a Joker running around. Obviously, uh, we'll get to the, what happens and, and who's actually probably at fault for all that stuff. But I think it's also kind of hinting that you know, the trauma of Batman witnessing his parents murdered mixed with the the psychological trauma of seeing his parents fight and, uh, you know, infid- and witnessing infidelity and that kind of thing at such a young age is really causing him to crack at a higher level than just watching them die. And you kind of see that when he uh, sneaks up behind his mom, when he's kind of playing cowboy and he's got that revolver and he mm-hmm. puts it to the back of her head real fucking creepy like and then and then pulls the trigger and it's almost like what the fuck was that dude like that was creepy so it it it, it also makes me feel that Azarello's using that to kind of fan the flame like maybe he did fucking go crazy and snap the joker's neck you know like maybe maybe this is where the story's going where like he doesn't believe it but enchantress is trying to show him and tell him and all these things in his past are showing that this little boy you know, who we thought was just a victim of um, this horrible crime is, in fact, a lot more fucked up than we thought and is, is uh, 
even though he tries to suppress it, he has this homicidal urge that one day just seeps out and he can't stop it, and he almost blacks out and doesn't remember it. So, well, yeah, I mean that scene in particular showed that you know he he's got anger management issues totally, and um, you know I th- I like I like I thought it was clever how Azarello, you know. Um, built it in to where Martha Wayne was the one that kind of influenced him, you know, don't ever point a gun at someone. Don't, don't ever, you know, do that. And that leads to, you know, him later on as Batman, he, you know, in, in most stories, except for a man who laughs, um, mm-hmm. Batman has, you know, doesn't really like to use the weaponry, you know, so much. <clears throat> I thought that was kind of cool. Did that gun? Like that. Did you guys have one of those guns as a kid? I did. Little cap gun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. That cap gun with the pistol, and you. Was it it actually had caps? like caps in there that right. you would shoot, and it would actually have the smoke come out. Yeah. That made me think of that. So yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, they actually tried I, to I get like one of those <laughs> cap guns to host the Oscars this year, but then uh, because of the controversy, <laughs> the cap gun had to say he wouldn't. So. Uh, I like Brian's choice of opening with narration from John Constantine as opposed to Batman. Yeah. Uh, typically, you know, any, any Batman comic you're reading, uh, anytime there's any narration going on, it, it's it's typically Batman's voice that you're reading in, or you know maybe Alfred's voice or something. But uh, starting off with Constantine, you know you're reading in some, and it it establishes that right away. You know that it's Constantine just by you know. It, he writes with the accent. Yes. So you immediately know who it is. So you're you're not hearing Bruce's voice as you read. That uh, starts to, starts you right off. Uh, it's not feeling like a like a typical Batman book. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean the the narration by Constantine adds another cool element to this story. Um, you know because and I and I like that Azarello is able to write in that character's voice and really give him a voice in this in this series and and if you're gonna have anyone to do a narration who is more nihilistic than batman then constantine (laughs) is that person you know he's he makes the world sound as horrible as any could as anyone could make it sound oh yeah i mean even on page one i love how he you know you've got this bat sewn onto someone's chest we know it's kind of you know bruce wayne's chest and it, you know, the bat looks dead, but then it, like, in the last three panels, it, like, comes to life, and it's got these eyes, and it's, like, you know, screaming, and, uh, Constantine says, you know, there are, uh, basically, you know, things that we say to ourselves that are, are lies, such as, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger, and he goes, no, what, what doesn't kill us eats us alive, body and soul. I, I love that. Um, what's the deal with the dude in the fire that starts talking to uh, Batman? That's what I was going to ask you guys. Who is that? I don't think uh, we get answers because it's basically Batman doesn't get answers about him. And Constantine basically yeah. tells him, like, forget about it. But that was something. That dude just, like, is in, he's, like, hiding in the, in, the, in the fire. Like, he's not coming out. And Batman yeah. thinks he's trying to save somebody. 
yeah, he was there. I, he was there to draw Batman into the fire. And yeah, I, I don't think that guy was being harmed by the fire. Oh shit! Okay, so this is just me doing some Batman detective work. So I was reading some of the hashtags that uh, uh, what's his name was putting on his last post. Um, Lieber Mayo put up like a selfie picture of him holding book two. Yeah, and then I looked at the hashtags at the bottom, and it t- it says uh, um, it. Just listing some of the characters, Enchantress, Constantine, Deadman, Batman, and he puts Spectre on there. And I'm, look, uh, I'm, looking, at the, I'm looking at the art right now, and uh, dude is wearing a long green overcoat with a hood up. And he's got long shorts and white long johns and black boots, so I think it's the Spectre. Yeah, should have picked up on that. And actually, now that I see... Uh, the the word bubbles. He's speaking, and it's the text is green. Well, uh, yeah, I, I picked up that he was like not normal, like an apparition. Right. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know who it was, and I mean, you unless you do like some kind of you know research like that, it, it's hard to tell because you know as uh, I'm sorry, Bermejo draws his characters. So different than you know normal comic versions. So um, yeah, he he takes his own little uh, he takes his own liberties with some characters like uh, like Etrigan, the demon in this one. Oh, yeah. I love him, dude. Is He's a awesome. uh, is a underground rapper. <laughs> and dude, the it's fact a, that it's, it's a massive uh, it, it's departing massively from uh, the traditional form of the character, but. The way they do everything, sort of grounded in reality while still being supernatural. Yeah. Uh, for a demon who speaks in rhymes, what better way to, to represent him? It's like a you know what this rapper. is like? This is like almost like a Netflix series, kind of like how you know the show formerly known as Daredevil right. was done. Right. You know, this is this is kind of I can see them as you know. This is like live action versions of these characters and, and interpretations. But yeah, Etrigan's pretty cool in this one. And I like the fact that <laughs> Brian <laughs> creates these rhymes and raps. You know, I mean, obviously, Etrigan, you know, and Jason Blood, that's how he speaks. But the way that he, he built them into kind of a hip hop sense cracked me up. I also I wanna... like how he calls Batman DK. <laughs> yeah. And it's spelled D-E-E-K-A-Y. Yeah. Uh, touching upon some of the story, too. A little bit more of the story, or writing, rather. Um, we see that uh, it's not... It wasn't Joker. Well, okay. That one fucking panel when the bat signal is overtaken by, like, a Joker smile in the sky. Yeah. And Batman's, like, looking up at it. Fucking badass. Mm-hmm. Um, so, obviously, we assume that there's a Joker on the rooftop with his gang shooting down at people. Batman gets up there. Starts beating the fuck out of the goons, and then realizes that it's not Joker. It's spoilers. It's Harley Quinn, um, kind of in like a Day of the Dead kind of looking makeup as the Joker, and just off her fucking rocker because Joker's dead. And um, she's going nutty on Batman. Starts unzipping her top, and it looks like, dude, she's got scars from someone who's had a uh, autopsy on her chest. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What the fuck? So that's interesting. 
And then uh, what's kind of crazy is that uh, she's basically freaking out because she's got nothing to live for. Joker's dead. She's, like, wanting to hurt Batman, so she's about to do that. Then he just, you know, flips the fucking switch on her. And uh, he starts choking her. And the issue kind of ends with, like, is Batman going to have to choke a bitch? <laughs> and so it ends with it ends with him doing that on the on the uh, the bat signal, but um, looked awesome. The, so yeah, okay. So story is crazy. Um, the thing about it is why? Okay, so for us, we're reading dig- we're reading digital copies earlier. This was fucking massive. Is it because the art is so like what what is is it the size of the book that's bigger and and why did it take so much to download? I yeah, think it's I don't just know. That's really not. high definition files. Yeah, because the art is fucking crazy. Again, like especially like okay, you you just talked about that scene where he's fighting Harley on the rooftop and she stabs him in the neck with a syringe, something, and yeah. kind of drugs him, and then she like goes nuts and the that panel where she's like screaming at him. Yeah, it's like Pennywise from the movie It. You know, she's like. Where he's coming up out of the water in right. the in the basement, right. I was like, dude, that the way that he creates, you know, depth and motion, it, it's nuts. So this issue wasn't longer. Well, I mean, it was because the format that it's in, it's a bit longer than a normal comic issue. But it took forever to download. I'm assuming it's just because the files are just way bigger because they're way more detailed, maybe, right? Yeah, like the typical the typical files are usually like. 12 to 25 uh, megabytes, I think they're in. Let me back up here. Yeah, it's usually like 15, anywhere from 15 to 30 megabytes. Mm. But this one is what, 600, 600-something. Jesus Christ, yeah. Insane. Yeah, so I think it, uh, I know that the first issue, uh, a lot of it was done traditionally with with a pen, pencil or whatever. And then this one I heard that he did a lot more digitally. I think he told us that. Well, he said he did like the first six pages of one traditionally, and it was right. just taking too long. Okay, so maybe that's what it is. It's like there's a lot more digital art that he's doing, and so he has just massive files and massive de- digital details, I guess, that are just making this thing massive. Um, in any event, it makes the book look fucking incredible. Like the first issue yeah. is great. This one is like there's a like I think it's one of the first two or three pages where it's the cityscape of Gotham in the background. And it just looks amazing. Yeah. It's, it's almost like that one print where he's jumping from the rooftop in the first issue. I also loved how uh, in like that first or second page, you think it's Batman up on the gargoyle. And it pans in and it's actually Constantine just in the shadows looking like Batman. Lighting up a cigarette. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was badass. Um, uh, right before the end, like after the last page, uh, like the, the final page of the story itself is batman strangling harley on the bat signal and then the next page is that joker skull face image promo for issue three and i guess that is where that one portrait comes from for the uh libra mayo prime one joker ah the statue ah because it has like three or four uh heads with it and one of them is that very nice um, another awesome, I mean, the whole book is amazing, but uh, one of the, one of the little panels that is awesome is, um, when he's like kicking the shit out of one of the Joker goons and the signal, the, the Joker over the smiling over the bat signal is behind him 
as it's kind of looking upward. I know Bermejo is kind of a metalhead, and these masks, if anyone is a hard rock or heavy metal fan, the masks that the um, the Harley's goons are wearing are very reminiscent of what Ghost wears on stage right now. I was about to say that. It looks like he he was listening to Ghost. Yeah, we'll have to ask him because it's it's almost like the same fucking mask. So I'm, and you know, he like he likes that kind of uh, that metal, that old school throwback sound. So I wonder if he's a Ghost fan, and that kind of what is uh, inspired him a little bit. Right. Uh, another thing too is Harley's wearing her own thing. And all the dudes are wearing those masks, very similar to Papa Emeritus, who uh, wears his own kind of garb, whereas everybody else is wearing that mask. So, uh, might be the same thing. But um, here we go. Uh, I like uh, I like during uh, like when Batman shows up at the Etrigan show and interrupts it, and as soon as he grabs Etrigan by the collar and pulls him in, everyone in the audience <laughs> pulls their guns and points them directly at Batman's head. Wait, what? Yeah, that was. It's a big splash page. Yeah, giant page. Yeah. So there's like twenty, you know, probably twenty something guys with uh, with all guns pointed at him, and then uh, we haven't even mentioned him. Uh, that's when Dead Man shows up and possesses one of the bodies to try to help Batman out. Yeah, that splash page needs to be a print. Yeah, I and mean, that's sick. Yeah. I'm gonna send you guys the uh, image that I'm talking about of the ghost masks. So, very similar look. Yeah, it looks just like it. <laughs> badass, even though even if it's not very badass, maybe that seeped into his subconscious after he was watching something or whatever. But um, anyhow, first or second issue rather, very badass. Um, yeah. Worth the wait. Definitely. Batman Damned, issue number two, dropping uh, December 1st, Wednesday. Grab this book, especially because um, I don't think it's being promoted enough. They, no. The creators really want your support on this book. It's a fantastic story. No, but if you have no knowledge of... If you're not reading Batman, doesn't matter. You can pick up the first one. Well, no, you can't. But um, digitally, is it available digitally, the first one? It is, but it's edited. Okay. Well, I mean, at least the story's there. So you can get the first copy digitally yeah. if you don't have it physically. Um, we're still waiting to hear if they're ever going to reissue it in a single issue or if it's just going to be collected as a trade when all is said and done. Um, how many issues is this total? Three. Uh, just, just three. Just the three. All right. So buy this second issue. Buy the shit out of it. Go make yourself a reason to go into a comic shop. Get the second issue. So that way, you know, fans can show DC and, and Warner Brothers, stop fucking with our comics. You know, the first one sold the fuck out. Hasn't gone into reprint. Doesn't matter. We're still gonna buy the second one. Well, stop fucking with black label. If you if you say you're gonna put this out, you know, yeah. aimed at a specific you know market, right? And I think then it, don't water it down. At this point, I think the publishers or whoever have released statements saying that they're going in different directions and all that. Blah blah blah. As fans, personally, mm -hmm. we could say that we know they have to fucking say that shit because they're being told by other people that they have to clean things up. Uh, to sell toys and shit, whatever. Um, so, you know, we, we appreciate uh, them making the attempt to do Black Label the way they wanted to initially. It backfired on them, not because of any um, any issue they had with themselves or any internal shit. It's completely seems like it's higher up shit. 
Um, yeah, so don't don't aim your angry tweets right. about uh, delays and changes. Don't don't tweet at Jim Lee and Dan DiDio about these things happening because that you know they wanted to give us everything that we thought Black Label would be. Yeah. But right. at the end of the day, you know, DC is owned by a larger company, and sure. you know they, they don't make the final calls on everything. So, yeah, it, uh, and it, make sure if you go and you read it and you buy it and you like it, let them know. Let the creators know. Let the writer know. Let the artist know. Let everyone that who has an Instagram handle or, I'm sorry, everyone has a Twitter handle, whoever. The best thing to do is if you like something, that's when you tweet people. That's when you, you know, blow it up. Don't be a fucking asshole. And if you don't like something, you know, go on a rampage. Like, if you don't like it, don't buy it and shut your mouth. If you like something, that's when you be supportive. That's when you make noise. So that way we get more of what you want. You know, so it's it's a it's a great thing to do, and it makes the uh, artists and the the writers really uh, kind of look at the things that people like, and it encourages them to keep doing their thing. So, anyhow, um, that was Batman Damned issue two. Uh, what do you want to do next? Do you want to do the old? Uh... So, what else did we? Oh wait, we can't talk man who laughs. Yeah, we can. We can. We, we can I... talk. We can talk Batman annual. Yeah, we could. We could just edit. I mean. Fuck it. We'll just, uh, you know, if we if we get five minutes of it, we'll just redo it at the end of Scott's interview. If we do all of it, we'll do all of it. Who cares? Like we can, we can even just play the episode honest. You know, just keep all this shit in. Yeah, we can. We can be going through, you know, the stuff we're going through, and then when Scott messages and says he's ready if we're in the middle of talking about something else we can say oh here's uh, Scott Snyder's ready to go so yeah. have we yeah, talked about anything yeah. we can't talk about uh, there, there's some things that you know we were talking shop I guess well no, I mean there's nothing that we can't talk there's nothing that people can't hear aside from just our inner shit like we I don't think we mentioned anything from like creators that we weren't supposed to say uh, like I, I was talking about some of the things that they told me about oh yeah no yeah. we can't put that on there uh, but it's, so, it's okay because yeah. I already marked. I already marked when we stopped talking about damned. So I'll just cut everything from there till now. Cool. It's no big deal. But what did you guys want to do first? You want to do Batman Annual? Sure. Annual. Yeah. All right. So uh, we're going to be doing Batman. Is it Annual number three? Three. Indeed. All right. I just gotta. I gotta get this off my chest. Just the. Uh, I'm so happy. I'm so happy that I see people. Constantly tweeting Tom King. Did he? He didn't. Did he write any of this annual? No, Tom Taylor wrote this okay. one. So I'm so happy that I've been seeing people tweeting Tom King. Tom. Tom was. I think it was some of the stuff that like Robin tweeted something, Gramps tweeted something, and Tom King retweeted it. Uh, I think it was this week's um, yeah. Batman issue, saying like Wednesday's a big one, right? And so he retweeted yeah. it, saying, "Pick it up. This issue, it's a big one." And I would see people respond to him, hey, Tom, you know what I'd love for Christmas? To get Catwoman back in the Batman. Like, I'm, I'm sick of it. Like, how much more do you want? And let the man tell his fucking story. God damn. Like, I understand there's tons of Catwoman fans or big Catwoman fans. Fantastic. All right. Yeah, I love it. I, I love the character myself, but like, this perpetual state of only giving a fuck about if Catwoman's in the Batman run, I just, I've lost it. I can't have yeah, just... it. How much do you want the story to be 
thrown off course because oh I want more Catwoman yeah. and oh you, you want more Catwoman okay yeah I'll bring I'll bring more Catwoman oh you, you want more poison okay yeah I'll bring more poison Ivy and oh you you, you want that guy and okay yeah. well, I'll bring that guy and just Jesus read the story yeah. or don't there's a there's a there's a great Catwoman solo book right now that really needs people's attention and sales that you can it's right over here it's by uh, Joelle Jones I'm sure she'd love for you guys to pick it up if you want more Catwoman it's all Catwoman hundred percent. So, <laughs> if you yeah, want Catwoman, I dare, I dare you to start tweeting her that you want more Catwoman, <laughs> or that you want more Batman in her book. Whatever oh yeah, do that. Is, She'll like, love. God, oh, what have just, you done? <laughs> you know, and Tom Tom King is a fucking nice dude, one of the nicest dudes, and he literally will ask fans, "Hey, who do you want to see in the book?" And more so, yeah. like he wants to see who he could have fun with putting really obscure characters into the story just to see if he could do it, you know? And he's been a master of fitting in very low-level rogues and, like, giving them a, you know, kite man. Like, he gave them a backstory that, like, really made you fucking feel for the guy. So he's really good at that. Um, Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think people just assume that he, he means, like, anybody or characters that he's already written 30 fucking issues with. You know, you got like half. Well, I don't know how many months you got of her in the in the main storyline, and okay, granted, you didn't get the ending that you wanted, sure, but holy shit, like the blueprint was there, the the signs were there. If you thought that was gonna end up in a wedding, like you can't blame it on DC marketing. Like, of course they're gonna market that. Like, you got it, but you weren't reading. They weren't reading the story. If you would have been reading the story, you would have known it wouldn't have ended that way. Anyways, that's my rant. It's my TED talk for this week. <clears throat> Back to annual number two with Tom uh, Taylor. Ugh. Anyways. Okay, so this is something that I noticed out of a lot. Well, actually, every bat book that came out this week, they all touched on um, Thomas and Martha Wayne. Mm. You know, <clears throat> annual, the first thing. You know, it, it opens up with Alfred getting the phone call that something's happened to Tom and Martha Wayne. And that's what starts the book. And you're like, wow, this is already getting, you know, the feels going, you know. And then uh, DC Comics 994 started off with the origin story of how, you know, the Waynes were murdered. Uh, Batman Who Laughs had... The parents on page one, damned, even showed, you know, the broken relationship, you know, that everything wasn't all perfect, you know, in the Wayne household, you know, as what it appeared out in society. Right. So all four of these books touched on, you know, the loss and the pain that, that followed, you know, the Wayne family around. And I was just like, do they have to do this on every story? <laughs> But at the same time, it's like, you know, I mean, I don't know why, but it, you know, it's like that origin story. It's almost a character in itself. And it's almost like, how can we fit this into every story? Right. Just kind of reiterate, you know, that Batman is a broken character. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm taking it way off course, but you were going back to Damned again. I should have remembered to mention this when we talked about Damned. But there's nope, a part nope, too late. Lee, too late. <laughs> you had your chance. <laughs> there's a part where during a fight, Lee snuck in while well, he didn't sneak in. He put in 
you know, you, you know, there's all the automatopoeia sounds, you know, while the fights are happening. He actually put in in succession, biff, bang, and pow. <laughs> no way, I didn't even notice that. Yeah. Anyway, on with uh, Batman annual number three. Right. No, no, Gramps, I, I totally hear, I totally get what you're saying. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Like, uh, it's uh, even with the, you know, people. You can even relate that back to the movies where Snyder did his own um, Martha and Thomas Wayne death. Um, which people thought it's like beating people over the head with. But you're right. Like, I think every interpretation of Batman requires that writer or artist to understand their interpretation of that death and how, and obviously it was significant. But I do think that certain artists and writers take different parts of it and use that to inspire the Batman that ends up being the ba- their Batman. And um, everyone's done it their own way. And... Uh, it's interesting how they did it for Damned, and it's interesting what you see, what other writers choose to pick out as far as what is the important aspect of that death and how it influences Bruce. You well, know? I mean, Sometimes. it'd be like, and I don't read much Superman, but it'd be like, you know, in every Superman story, do they show the planet Krypton exploding and him being sent off, you know, to outer space to land on the planet Earth and, and mm-hmm. you know, adopted by... The Kent family. Do they do that in every damn book? Or Hal Jordan, how he, you know, came into possession of the the power ring and stuff like that. Do they do that in every book? And I get it. It's it's an emotional part of the the Batman mythos, but I mean <laughs> I just reading these four books, I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm getting the same thing four times in a row here. Fucking depressed depressed as fuck. Yeah. Reliving this brutal moment over. I mean, I do like it when, you know, a writer and an artist can fit it into a story real quick and real come out. You know, almost like, you know, kind of a little flashback. Okay, and it kind of shows you know a little bit of the PTSD part of you know his psyche and all that stuff. But oh my gosh, I I don't have to have it every every single issue of every single story. How they do it? uh, How they do it in annual this time? This this is the worst. It starts with it. Yeah. (laughs) It starts with it. It starts with Alfred in bed getting a phone call, and he's like, what? Okay, I'm on my way. But this is the worst. uh, This is sort of the worst one. Am I I even remembering the right uh, book here? I can't remember if I'm uh, thinking about the right issue. And and the... Alfred is very key in this story. Um, it's almost like he is the focal point of this entire yeah. story. Yeah, it, it really is. Cool. It is an Alfred story, and yeah. mm. like some, a lot of times in books, typically <laughs> in books, we either get the title of the story in the first, the first page, second page, maybe the third page. And, you know, they'll give us the title page, and some books you wait until the end. And this is one that waits until the very last page to do it, and it's really smart to do it for this one because it's when it reveals what the theme of the issue was all about. Hmm. My God, this art is fantastic. It really is. Otto Schmidt uh, killed this issue. Yeah. He did. He did the art for everything in this. Yes. Uh, yep. God, Jesus Christ, this is good. And shit, you know man. what? I mean, this this story. Um, just the way that Tom Taylor wrote it and Otto Schmidt, you know, drew it. 
it almost made me wish that there was like a separate Pennyworth book title. You know. Ah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, like, uh, yeah. It's going to have Batman and Bruce Wayne in it, but I mean, he's he's got enough, um, you know, going on, and there's a lot that <clears throat> isn't always portrayed. You know, he's always just seen as, you know, the servant butler ally of, of Batman. You know, the foil always. You know, with his little. Uh, sarcasm and things like that and they bounce off each other it's great but there's so much more to this guy that, that i think could be shown even if it's just like a you know and i'm sure that they've done it in the past i haven't read any myself but i'm sure that they've had like little mini series and stuff like that but i really think that you know they could probably do a a full title run with uh well, Alfred. they're doing a tv show so oh, well, right. yeah. clearly you're not the only one that, uh, that there's enough space. It's a prequel, for right? Yeah. Um, Didn't wasn't it Snyder that said that he wanted to do an Alfred book? I, I want to say he said that at one point. I mean, we can always ask him when he comes on. Anyways, so yeah, this is basically a, it's an Alfred story, and it's uh, showing from Alfred's perspective everything that he does and has done for Bruce over the years. Yeah. So we see it right back from the night of the of the murder. Uh, there's sort of a narration from Alfred. You know, he's talking about how he wasn't intending to be uh, yeah. the butler for the Wayne family forever. He says, "I had plans." I mean, that right there tells you that you know he wasn't really committed into this. This he was brought on by his father, right? And then yeah. he's like, "I had plans," and then you know this happened. And his life, you know, took a whole new meaning, and, and he found a greater purpose by this one event. And, uh, yeah, the, the whole issue, as we said, examines everything that Alfred does to enable Bruce and Batman to do everything they do, you know, on both sides of it, how he keeps Bruce Wayne's persona... Uh, upholds that to uh, to cover up uh, everything that the Batman side uh, draws away from the Bruce Wayne side and uh, everything he does to to save Batman's ass in many cases. Yeah. And the issue even has a really cool callback to some Paul Dini writing from the Heart of Vice episode of Batman the Animated Series when uh, Alfred's been badgering Batman to to take a night off because he's so sick and he's worn out. He hasn't slept in days. He's not eating. And as Batman is about to get into the Batwing, he forces him to take a thermos of soup with him. <laughs> Just like that uh, Batman the Animated Series uh, Mondo figure. Indeed. Which is where everyone actually got the inspiration to do that. <laughs> Great figure, by the way. They, they did it first. Yeah, this art, dude. Damn. Fantastic. So, uh, basically, uh, the Batman side of the story is Batman has been hunting down these drones that have been stolen from the U.S. military and uh, have 
some pretty serious uh, weaponry on them that are flying around the city, and there are people that are being targeted. And mm. he's figured out that it's uh, a guy who had been working for the military, and basically his job was to push the button for drone strikes uh, in the Middle East, I think it was. And when he found out that one of the targets that they had him push the button on was a public market and he had killed like 30 civilians that was the end of it for him you know he stopped doing that and he stole these drones and is now using them to target people involved uh, who are in goth and dude let me tell you alfred is a badass in this book <laughs> he is he is badass i love it even you know <laughs> just what he does man you're like wow Wow. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. So, yes, grab, uh, what is it, Annual 3? Yeah, Annual 3. Highly recommended. Tom Taylor is a good writer. Yeah, especially. And uh, I have to go back and read it. I heard really good things about his most recent uh, Injustice issue. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I heard that whole... Annual as that well whole his whole run supposedly was really good on that. I think I read the first trade of it. It was very good, but he's, yeah, he, he did great on that. Um, he took over. I can't remember if it was him who started or if it was Robinson. One of the two of them were doing the earth Two run when, uh, the new 52 first came out. That was an awesome book. And he wrote some awesome shit in that. Um, he's been doing, uh, X-Men red, which, from what I understand, is like probably the X-Men book that people should be... There's so many X-Men books right now, goddamn. But that's one that if you're going to read one, he's like, I guess, killing it on that as well. So, And also part of Annual 3, um, at the very end of it, um, Leslie Tompkins comes in. Mm -hmm. And I like how he wrote her, too. Yeah, Interesting. She, she was a badass, too. Yeah. She, you know, and, usually uh, she's, she's just like, you know, helping them out when, when, when they're hurt and all this stuff. But the way that he portrays her in this book, you know, it's really cool. Yeah, uh, we, we see her in the line of fire and still e even being in the line of fire, she uh, doesn't shy away from that and uh, puts herself in right in danger to help Bruce. Right. Hmm. Very nice. Um, also out this week is what Detective Comics. Yes, <clears throat> issue nine ninety four. I believe it is. Uh, scrolling to, scrolling to, scrolling to. Yeah, there we are. Yeah, nine ninety four. Habra, 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 habra. Uh, the first issue of Peter J. Tomasi's run. Uh, from my understanding, is he writing it up until the one thousandth issue, or is he going to be on it for good? <laughs> Uh, I'm not even sure how far he's going. I know that he was announced at, was it the old uh, San Diego Comic-Con that he would be taking over? Yeah, they announced, uh, made the announcement of the new creative team uh, being Tomasi and Doug Mankey on the art. Right. And whew, both of them really killed it on, on this issue. Even if you haven't been reading Detective, uh, you don't need to know any of the immediate uh you know, any of the 
most recent things that have been going on, it's a great point to just jump into the book, and it's a great issue to start on, too. It, right. it is important to know that Bruce Wayne's parents were killed, because that's on page what? one. What? That's on page one. No. Stark that didn't affect him in any way, and did it? It's, it's, it's also on that uh, Mark Brooks <laughs> variant cover that is fucking <laughs> yeah. ridiculously cool. Yeah. In case you forget. He yeah. wants you to know that they are dead. But, I like how... Uh, so this basically, I mean, it insinuates that Martha was shot in the fucking forehead, right? <laughs> yeah, that, That's not funny, they, but yes. That, this is, this, this, is the, this is the one that was in my mind when you started talking about Annual 2, and I was uh, I was going to say that this is the worst one, but th this is what I meant in Detective, is the worst way of making Bruce deal with the death of his parents, because someone has recreated the corpses of his parents to perfect detail, mm -hmm. and he has to witness this and investigate it in the presence of of Jim Gordon and yeah. another officer. So he has to act like everything's cool while, uh, while he's investigating these bodies that look exactly like his parents, down to the wedding rings being replicas and everything, like the, the bone structure of their faces being surgically altered to look exactly like his parents. And I gotta say, man, that's, that's very fucked up. It is. <laughs> Tomasi, you are fucked in the head, man. That's awesome, though. Yeah. I thought that was uh, incredibly brutal. The uh, the bullet hole in the forehead. Well, I... Like, I don't... Have we seen that where it specifically says states no. that, like, nah, yeah, she got shot in the fucking head. No. And there was this one part of the conversation as, as Batman's investigating the bodies. Um... You know, he kind of slips a little, but catches himself. Right. But, it, you know, kind of, you know, goes back to my, and I'm sure everyone has the same theory that Gordon knows who Batman is. Yeah. But, um, you know, just kind of as to give him some plausible deniability, they kind of keep this, this game going. But Batman says, you know, you know, uh, they had the same foundational bone structure and ethnicity of my... Martha and Thomas Wayne's, you know, and, and he catches himself about to say my mother and father. <clears throat> but yeah. uh, I love right before he uh, before he gets to inspect the bodies when they're still floating in the tank. We see uh, an officer in scuba gear climbing the ladder to go into the tank, and he's telling Gordon that he'll have him out in a minute. Yeah, and before that guy can do it. <laughs> Batman pulls something out and Gordon asks him what it is and says something to the effect of it being for impatient people. And it's a small explosive that he puts onto the tank and just blows it open. This guy was about to just go in there and haul the bodies out. <laughs> I think, I mean, and this book has got some awesome artwork in it. Um, but there's this one panel. I mean, and this is on like page four or five where after that has happened and he's examining the bodies, you know, and they're supposed to be identical to you know both his parents. He's holding the head and looking face to face with this person that looks just like his father. I'm like, wow. That, that's exactly the panel I'm looking at right now. Uh, I wanted to mention that one too. That is a perfectly executed Batman side profile too. Like that 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 frame looks flawless. Yeah. Hmm. 
and and the face too, the Thomas Wayne face. That it is a haunting corpse face. Yeah. Why yeah. why can't they make something like this in movies? Why can't they just make the movies like this? Toys, Gramps. Toys. Uh, yeah. Not not everyone's <laughs> gonna buy a dead a dead set of parents, man. Man, I, I want mommy, them to make. I want the dead Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> can't they just make some dead cool. Wayne action figures? God. You don't man. have to. Yeah, I mean, you don't even have to make them that articulated because they're so stiff. But. <laughs> <laughs> Just put a bullet hole in the forehead. I go. can make some customs, I guess. There you go. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, this one's a cool... And this this is a cool book because it, you know, it ties into the theme of detective comics. You know, he's more of a detective in, in this story. Um, he's even, I mean, basically doing an autopsy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then it gets and, crazy. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, basically insinuating that uh, some. I mean, ugh, just fucking crazy, dude. This it's, it's with that that beast. It totally reminded me of the um, uh, what's it called? The from Stranger Things. Oh, the Demogorgon. Yeah, like what the fuck is that thing? Because spoilers, when you get to the end of the issue, it starts attacking what's her name, and uh, it unleashes like that gas out of its mouth, which is basically yeah. Joker toxin. Yeah, one, so it's one like of is two this... books this week where we say where we see someone get jokerized. Yeah, but it was good shit, man. But anyways, it's it's a interesting first uh, issue for a new run. Um, you know what I also liked is I was reading it, was looking at it, the art, the feel, the story. I was like, this is a fucking Batman story, man. This is like a legit old school Batman fucking comic, and. You know, you don't even need any other characters in it. It's just Batman. It's just Gotham with Gordon. No little shitbird Robins running around. <laughs> and it's just, you know, detective style. He's fucking getting, he's getting his hands, he's a detective in this thing. You know, he's getting crazy with all the uh, specifics of, you know, going into their mouths and reaching out the pearl and all that shit, right? And and the, the fact that he's keeping his composure, well... Basically, autopsying his own parents. Yeah. When I first saw the promo for this book, I was like, "How are they going to pull this off?" I, you know, because it was like Batman investigates the murder of his own parents again, or something like that. And I was like, "Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> how do they come up with this stuff?" And, what? and uh, yeah, what? So, but yeah, this, this was a really cool story. Yeah, good shit. Um, yeah, so if people are not, you know, for whatever reason, if you're not really following along with Tom King's run or you don't like his writing, uh, one or the other, but you just want an old school Batman story, this is a great place to jump in because it feels like it's going to be, at least for leading into uh, issue 1000, it's going to be uh, a very Bat-centric detective type story. So uh, check it out. Check it out. What else is going to come out? I mean, um, let's see here. I'm going to open up the old uh, box to see what we got. There's a lot of shit that's coming out that we... Hawkman just... 7. Did you read that? No, but I have been... <laughs> well, I haven't read this episode because this week was so bad heavy. Yeah. I will get yeah, to it, right. but... Uh, it's been good. Hawkman's Hawk been cool. Hawkman has Hawk been Man. really cool. 
I like yeah. the way that they kind of tied in all these different origins, you know. And right. like you said, I, I think you gave it the perfect analogy. It's almost like uh, Indiana Jones meets Hogman. Uh, yeah, it's it's like a it's like an Indiana Jones. What else did I say? Did I say um, Quantum Leap? Kind of, yeah, 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 yeah. Meets Quantum Leap because he's like leaping through the time. So I guess uh, in the DC universe, the only two people that had been able to cross the multiverse were Flash. And I believe it was Superman, I think. And so now they're kind of saying that Hawkman, uh, through his reincarnation, right. technically is now able to cross the multiverse. So, Well, yeah, um, and like all of the ordinance, because, you know, he's one of these characters that, you know, after so many years, they would reboot it all and... and totally change everything and, and you're like yeah where's a good jumping on point because i don't know what what's what's a good where do you start you know right and this kind it's, of explains it and you're like oh that's kind of cool now i can go back and yeah. read all those other stories and it kind of makes even more more sense it's a good way to mold it's a good way to like fold everything into <clears throat> itself and so <clears throat> basically making all those previous versions of hawkman canon and explaining how <coughs> excuse me um, Justice League Dark issue number six uh, came out, and that's been very closely tied to the current Justice League titles. Um, so Scott will probably talk a little bit about that because we're definitely going to talk to him about Justice League. Um, the new talent showcase came out of all the uh, people that had recently been in the uh, new talent program for DC Comics. So check that out. Um, oh man, another. Francesco Mattina variant cover for uh, Suicide Squad. Oh, um, I didn't even look at that one yet. Are they going to be? I'm. I was. I didn't get a chance to check, but are they going to be like uh, the last three are going to be um, connecting covers? It kind of looks like it might be. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, yeah, definitely could be. All I know yeah, is that I'm, they need to just put out a, a collected Mattina covers book. Yeah, he's insane. Yeah. Insane talent, that dude. Either but, that um, or super... someone put him on interiors more than just that short story that he did with Lee a little while ago. Maybe he doesn't want to. I don't know. Well, I know that he does not have a he doesn't have uh, an exclusive with DC because he's he's yeah. been doing what Daredevil covers, Spawn <coughs> covers. Um, he did some Shadow covers for IDW, I think. Yeah. So he's just kind of dipping his wick in anything that moves, really. Um, what else we got here? Superman uh, issue number six is so Bendis is continuing on. When did Ivan Race get jump into the? Has he always been the uh, the artist for Superman? I don't think so. My God, I'm looking through the art right now. Holy shit! Superman issue number six, damn, coming in hard. Oh, this is a great storyline. It's Val Zod and. What's his name? Um, it's Zod. What's the other dude's name? It's Zod in this, and it's the other dude that supposedly uh, destroyed Krypton. That's why it blew up. Oh, wow. Uh... So Bendis is uh, Bendis is kind of like rewriting a little bit of Kryptonian history where this dude um, who is like this crazy like warrior, like hunter-killer guy uh, supposedly was sent by the Guardian. Well, no. He defied the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, to go and destroy um, the Kryptonian race by 
killing off the planet and making it explode. So, uh, Bendis is doing something cool with that with Superman. Flash issue number 60 came out. Oh my god, great cover. Holy shit. Great variant cover, too. Uh, Flash issue 60 is coming out. Joshua Williamson is going to be writing... Uh, is it a couple issues of Batman that's coming up pretty soon? Yeah, two uh, two Batmans that'll cross over with Flash, so another four-part crossover like the button was. Right. Okay. And then, uh, of course, the Batman Who Laughs issue number one, um, who we will hopefully be talking to uh, Scott Snyder about. But, um, yeah, Red Monster Monster Week for DC Comics. Not nearly enough time to read it all yet, but uh, I'll get to more of them. Um, I guess we're just going to wait for him now, huh? Yep. <laughs> Alright. Um, in the... For uh, James Gunn's new movie, Brightburn. Yes. So, if you haven't seen this trailer yet, uh, check it out on YouTube. It's Brightburn, like the word bright and burn, but as one word. Right. And this is basically... This is almost like an Elseworlds DC book. Because it gives us an exact origin story of, of Clark Kent. You know, you have these uh, parents who don't have a child, uh, parents, uh, a, a, a husband and wife who haven't been able to have a child yet. They live out on a farm, and a ship crashes on their property, and there's a baby in it. They keep the baby, and later find out that baby has superpowers. The twist is that this baby grows into a young child who happens to be a murderous fuck with Superman. <laughs> yeah, dude. Gramps, have you seen this trailer? Yeah. I'm like, I was sitting there watching it going, how are they getting away with this? Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, they just straight lifted <laughs> Superman's origin story. But, well, not yeah. just that. The, the trailer specifically has... It's like almost spot on Man of Steel uh, music and the same, uh, what do you call it, um, text for the, the font that, that Snyder used for uh, Man of Steel. Like when you watch it and you listen to it, I thought when I was first watching the first trailer, it was on Twitter. So I'm like, oh, this is a fan like mashup using Man of Steel music and the lettering for Man of Steel to make it look. And then I went on YouTube to look for the official trailer and it's the same trailer. I'm like, oh, no, he really is just fucking doing a what-if Man of Steel. And so. uh, Roy from The Office plays uh, <laughs> John Kent part, so hopefully we get to see uh, Roy get killed by uh, Little Soups. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the dude, he wears a creepy ass, like, he puts on, like, a cape, and he puts on, like, a mask, a red mask and red cape. Like, so it looks fucking crazy. And, yeah, seeing him stalk... That uh, the the lady in the, the Whataburger lady, and she locks herself in the. It's a Whataburger. Something, yeah. And then she's locked in there, and we see the heat vision cutting a hole through the door, and then she's just standing there, horrified, staring at him. You know, he's oh, that was sick. 20, 20, 30 feet away, just standing there, motionless, looking at her, and then just super speed, just snaps right in front of her. Mm. Well, yeah, and he there's an audio there's an audible crunch when he gets to her. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna tell you what I, I'm just I'm already gonna see it because it has Elizabeth Banks in it. I was already yeah. interested, but yeah, the story and the premise and 
what I've seen so far. Uh, um, yeah, this looks cool. Yeah, it looks very Pinteresting. I would say. Who who's the kid? Jackson the Dunn. Yeah. Who knows? Oh, some little <laughs> shit. Jackson. So is is it his kid playing? He's, that? Oh, is it really? If if his name is Gun. No, Dunn. Oh, I think Dunn. Because at first I thought he was the kid that was in um, Ozark, but it's not. Looks very similar to the Ozark. All kids look the same. (laughs) We're all little shitheads. Yeah, I said it. (laughs) Yeah, it comes out summer, right? Yes. Uh, Yeah, something like that. Spring, springtime, ish. Uh, have you guys been watching any Titans lately? No, man. I felt I, I've just I haven't had time. I hear it's really good, though. Yeah, yeah, it, it it's surprisingly good. Uh, we're at episode nine now. Came out uh, this past Friday, so, so when, Jesus. By the time this episode's up, we'll be two days away from a. In the next episode but yeah they, they do some really cool stuff uh there have been some cool characters introduced cool references made hmm. uh, I, I don't want to uh, say too much uh to spoil what's coming for you guys but yeah they do some interesting stuff and yeah some of the some of the scenes some of the things that they have happen in it man like what you saw in the first you know in the early stuff the violence is violent and uh, they just do some stone cold stuff in it. Nice. Yeah, I'm excited to see some of that Jason Todd stuff for sure. Well, Damien, not Damien. Yeah, Jason Todd's in it, so. Yeah. And I have seen that one clip, I guess, where they're in like a parking garage and uh, he's talking with Rich or whatever the guy's name is, Dick Grayson, Rick, and the actor. I mean, he 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 does a really good job portraying Jason Todd as how you would expect him to be, kind of a little snarky, uh, defiant, you know, rule breaker type of kid. Hmm. Yeah, and and he's uh, being away from Batman. He's definitely like a kid being away from the parents. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a part where you see him putting a pretty excessive beating on some cops. And Dick intervenes and, you know, beating up cops. Does Batman let you do that? He's like, well, Batman isn't here. Right. And he mm-hmm. talks about how, you know, he spent his life getting roughed up by, by cops, so now it's his turn to do it. Right. Very nice. And uh, yeah, as as you can uh, imagine, with Jason Todd being introduced, that means that there were two Robins. So we start seeing the early stages of that being resolved. Oh yeah, meaning that he turns into Nightwing. Uh, we're we're not at the point yet where that's happened, but. We we do see where he is 
officially no longer Robin. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, all right, so let's talk about Batman Who Laughs issue number one. And for those of you guys who, um, I think there's a lot of people that we've seen on the old interwebs that uh, may not have been following along with the events of uh, Dark Knight's Metal, but once the uh, character of the Batman Who Laughs kind of came out, obviously the artwork started getting spread around. I think a lot of people were interested to know who the hell is this character. He's like super badass looking, very horror inspired. Um, a lot of people loving the look of him. Uh, he just kind of blew up and took on a life of his own. So um, naturally, uh, they are deciding to roll out his own miniseries based off of the events that happened in Dark Knight's Metal. And I think this first issue does a pretty good job of, even if you don't know the full background of the story of Dark Knight's Metal, um, they do a little bit of a re... Uh, um, you know, they, they, they catch you up on who he is, what he does, where he comes from. I would highly suggest, though, if you can find it, going back. There's that hardcover, I think, where it's uh, Dark Knight's Metal. Um, it includes the one-shots of the Dark Knights of the Dark Multiverse. Yeah, I think it's, it's called uh, Dark Knight's Rising. Yeah, that is a great little trade. It's out in hardcover right now. So um, even if you don't want to jump on the whole metal train, because it is a very uh, extensive and dense story, great story, but if you just want to read into the uh, the Dark Knights of that universe, there's that trade that you can check out. Um, this first issue specifically is written by our best friend writer, Scott Snyder, and the mega-talented artist, Jock. Who did the, uh, the colors and the inks and all that good stuff, Robin? Saw you t tweeting them in... Uh, the old Twitterverse as well. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the colors on this is uh, David Barron. Okay. So, uh, I mean, we, you know, we'll, we'll just get into it. Spoilers. Spoilers, of course. We're going to get into that. Um, I love Jock. I think everyone in the, in the room right now loves Jock. Probably one of our favorites. Uh, has been for a long time. Um, he brought the ruckus uh, with this issue as well. Um, first initial impressions of the Batman Who Laughs issue number one. What'd you guys think? Well, it's always good to see um, this creative team work together. It's like this is their niche for me, and I guess it it's because you know I, I read a lot of their uh, witches titles that they right put together, and they just put out you know that that Halloween uh, edition. Of witches, which kind of you know, um, you know, reset you know my palette for for the writing and and the artwork together, and this almost you know keeps right in line. And Scott does a really good job with like you know the horror elements. Um, I think he writes these types of stories the best, in my opinion. Mm. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah. I, you, you talked about uh, having Jock's art with Scott's writing again, and uh, the stuff on which is obviously very dark and uh, more, more in line with what we saw Jock doing with Scott as far as Batman stuff was, uh, is concerned. Uh, back to Black Mirror, you know, that was uh, a lot of dark, uh, dark subject matter in that, so it was, you know, really grim and... Uh, and dark stuff. The next time we saw him do any Batman with Scott was on the All Star arc, which, because of the nature of the story, it was that it was that freeze stuff. So it was all 
bright lights and bright colors. So it, it was very different from the work that we saw him do uh, with Scott on Black Mirror. So now that they're doing this together, we're back to seeing him do a lot more of the darker subject matter, uh, more in line with what Black Mirror was. He did do that um, that one book in Batman during the Bloom storyline, where he just filled yeah he just filled in for like one issue. Um, yeah, someone got sick or something. Yeah, the girl like I think she broke her wrist. Oh, that's right. And I mean, he they like had to basically call him in, and he had less than a month to do it. And I mean, he nailed it too. Um, so he, he's an artist, man. He, he's like, uh, man, this guy is, he is so good at what he does. And the thing that he does really good, I mean, his style, you, when you look at it, you definitely know it's, it's jock because, you know, his anatomy and, and his, his people, he doesn't, you know, try to draw them perfect, but they're very expressive and artistic. But what's crazy is that, he can do that if he really wants to. And if you look at his yeah. backgrounds and, you know, like architecture and the vehicles and all this stuff, I mean, this dude, uh, there's a reason why he, he was selected to be like a character designer for, you know, Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this dude, he, he's, he does a lot of stuff for not just comics, but, you know, film and, and commercial design and, and stuff like that. Yeah, it's, My uh, it's something that bothers me sometimes when an artist has a strong style that is their chosen style and seeing people who just don't care for that particular style, you see them bashing the artist saying, oh, that, that guy can't draw. And like I'm more than once I've been defending artists the way it happens with Frank Miller too because he has a, a very distinct style that you know, he chose and that was what he developed. Yeah, and you know, when you see people say, "Oh, that, that guy can't draw," no, that's inaccurate. You don't like his style, but he can draw. He didn't get to where he is by not being able to draw. You just don't have a taste for his chosen style. He doesn't get handpicked by you know one of the most successful writers in you know modern comics for a reason. Yeah, and they you yeah. know they have a good relationship and they work well together and you know scott um has even said you know he writes to the ways that he's learned to write to the ways that the artists want you know their scripts you know capullo likes very loose scripts jock likes very detailed scripts because he is very detailed oriented in how he wants to you know build his pages and stuff like that Right. Um, some of the some of my favorite stuff that Jock does, though, is the stuff that he chooses to um, show the story through more of like shadows. So you know, like the the moods that he chooses to do with the way he draws. Like you know, he doesn't always show Batman's mouth. He, he just shows like the fucking lit up eyes, or you know, he might not show any of Joker's face except for like a half smile, or you know, a side profile. But it's like so crazy and jarring that. You know, it works really well. Like, that's why I think uh, the Batman Who Laughs is perfect. That design of the character is perfect for his art um, because, you know, he's so great at capturing just crazy emotion with very, very little, uh, you know, face or, um, 
character, you know, body or whatever. So, uh, getting to the story of this issue a little bit, just to just to kind of get into what the fuck is going on. Um, I saw Robin mention that he didn't expect the story, this issue, to go in the direction that it did. Ne- neither did I. Starts out as a very, very uh, Batman esque situation where uh, he's on the highway in his big ass like. Um, no, no, no. Rewind. Go back. What's on the first page? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's a little more. Well, it's, there's no death at least. It's just the Waynes. Yeah, like, true. yeah, it it doesn't show the death. They don't die, but they're just hanging out. Um, <laughs> so Batman is basically talking about his or Bruce rather is reminiscing about his memories of his family with Alfred and playing a game. And what he remembers most is how strong they were and how much they all laughed. And then it cuts to the present day of him chasing down these uh, these guys who were smuggling dead bodies out of Gotham. He breaks in and finds out that one of the bodies they were smuggling, it looks to be the body of Bruce Wayne. Um, so next next panel we see that he's broken into the morgue and he's assumed the identity of the more of the uh, Undertaker, and um, he's performing uh, or rather uh, reviewing the autopsy of this of this man. And he notices that this guy who looks just like Bruce Wayne has all the same scars that he had from his early years, including up to his last fight with Bane. And he's you know talking to Alfred as it's going forward and he mentions how the difference between this Bruce Wayne on the table and the real me Bruce Wayne is that it looks like after this guy's back got broken by Bane he chose to then uh, lead a different life of uh, working kind of like in I forget what he mentions a construction or something like that but working more with his hands then he also notices that there's like different scars and there's a tattoo of a woman of a girl's name may and he says that that's the name he would have suggested if him and selena had had a kid so it, it's alluding to the yeah. fact that this is a bruce wayne from possibly a different universe or timeline than what uh ended up happening to him so question is where the fuck did this guy come from where did this body come from he also notes on the face that there are smile like smile lines around the face and everything so yeah this is a bruce wayne who stopped being batman and lived a happy life you know just lived like a normal person had a family yeah yeah and uh as this is going on it cuts over to arkham asylum and um, you see these guards that are kind of just doing their rounds get fucking cut down by who they believe is Batman. And it kind of pans out and you see that this Batman is just covered from head to toe in fucking guns and knives and all this shit. Dude, he's like and, Punisher and, Batman. And, appar- and apparently uh, Darth Vader's lightsaber. Yeah, that's what, well, what it looks like. And, and lots of pouches. <laughs> right. So... Um, so this Batman is just fucking murdering all these guards, just taking them out one by one. Then he's walking by uh, Mr. Freeze's cell, and Freeze is pleading with him, saying, like, this isn't you. I, I know who Batman is. It's not you. And he fucking lights up Mr. Freeze um, with whatever laser or some shit he's got going on. Yeah. Um, then, I, I think you know, he opens up. I think that's one of Elon Musk's uh, flamethrowers that he hits him with. <laughs> not a flamethrower? Yeah. Um, then the, my one of my favorite pages is when the uh, the cell opens and you see who we believe is Joker sitting down, um, and then the Grim Knight smiles at him, and then the next page, it's the Batman who laughs walking in with this fucking um, crazy axe, and then <laughs> next page, he's just fucking swinging that thing down onto the Joker's head, just chopping it. 
Um, Dude, full Negan style. Yeah. Just... Uh, what I like is that it then alludes a little bit to what, uh, you know, you get a little backstory of the Batman Who Laughs, and Snyder kind of reintroduces a uh, concept that he had for the Joker that I can't remember if it was in Endgame or if it was in Death of the Family, but I do remember him saying that when the Joker dies, his heart is filled with, like, like just a crazy... Um, amount of joker toxin that when he dies it releases so whoever kills joker then becomes the new joker yeah and that's why he um, was always trying to get batman to kill him because he knows that he's the worst person or from his point of view the best person to infect with being him well and it also explains why there's multiple jokers you know it's not just one guy potentially it's it's yeah. it's been a series of people over yeah over over centuries if we were if we're going through the end game understanding of it you know so let me let me let me rewind it real quick i think the first one was jerome let me hear it. <laughs> jerome jerome and, brother. and jack jerome's brother okay anyway and uh, um, and, and that uh, that detail of the joker's existence that you know having the uh the joker toxin in his heart so that when he dies it comes out is also what uh, what we saw in the origin story of the batman who laughs that we saw that batman right. when he was forced to kill the joker to stop him from murdering people right in front of him uh, we saw him be infected right. and that was that we uh... indeed um so then uh as, ta- as he's talking to Gordon, he realizes that uh, it wasn't Joker in the cell. Um, so that means Joker has broken out and is somewhere, you know, knows that the Batman who laughs is coming after Joker. So Batman's like, he's going to be trying to find a place that's safe. Which that, and so again, that's raised another question but, for me. I was like, you know what? What would Joker have to have over you to say, okay, yeah, I'll take your place and sit in this cell? And pretend to be you. I mean, that's a whole other story. I mean, that, yeah. that really gets into He's the. He's done it a couple times. Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's uh, a killing joke thing as well. Yeah, that gets yeah. into the real terror if you think about it. He's like, you know, Joker probably told him, you know, I know who your family is, and I'm going to wipe them all out unless you do this. Just like what he does with the guards when he, you know, he knows their names and things like that. Yeah. If you. So uh, Joker then, very similar to a love, a love again. How he's throwing it back to Endgame, uh, or how Joker like knew that knew basically knows how to get into the fucking Batcave. Um, Batman goes back to the cave, turns off all the defenses to uh, Alfred's dismay, and as soon as he does it, it's as if the Joker was waiting. He swims up through the water. Um, and what we think is he's about to shoot Batman. Batman's like, "No, I'm going to keep you safe. I know the Batman who laughs is after you." And then the Joker fucking shoots himself in the heart. And um, he's like, Batman says, why did you do that? And he says, because the only way to kill him or to stop him is to become him. And so it ends with that page. Gramps, you want to describe that page that you love so much? Oh, yeah. This this last page. Isn't it? Um, man, this, this is, you know, Jock at his best, you know, because... It's a twisted Batman leaning over the body of the dead Joker. And it's almost like, you know, a Jokerized Batman, but he's got these red eyes. 
And right. uh, man, it's just sick. Yeah, just a uh, awesome, awesome, uh, awesome page of art right there. Um, yeah, I did not see this shit going down in yeah. this issue. I didn't. Neither did I didn't I. expect it to be like a fucking Elseworlds tale, right? Because well, I didn't. Ex- he hits you with first one twist, like you you see Joker get killed, and then when it's revealed, like uh, that was a decoy, Joker, you know, Joker slipped out of here at some point and replaced himself with a stand-in. And you're know, like, oh, okay, yeah, of course there's the twist. You know, <laughs> there has to be a twist. So you think that's it. But then you get to the end here. And when Joker shows up, as soon as you see what's happening, you know, that Batman realizes Joker is planning to meet him there. And you see him telling Alfred to let him in. What, what started going in my head anyway was that, okay, I see what this will be. So this book is going to be... Uh, Batman Who Laughs and this new Batman, uh, the Grim Knight, are going to have to be stopped. And to to stop them, it's going to take Batman and Joker teaming up. So I started thinking, okay, so that that's what that's what we'll get here: the two of them uh, fighting them together. But two panels later, Joker's killing himself and and infecting Batman. Ah, a second twist. Aha, uh-huh. and that yeah. that. I was going along the same lines as you, Robin. But then, when Joker was like, you know, in order to defeat them, you got to you know do this, and I'm like, why would Joker care about defeating them? What what's where does that benefit him? We'll have to wait and see. I mean, this is a six part book, but that's that's the question that I have moving forward. Is and, why uh, would Joker care? Uh, another uh, thing that I think we might find out more of in the future that flashback scene that we get at the beginning for uh, uh, Bruce as a as a kid with his parents and Alfred that just that just disappears we get that little flash of of him as a kid and and then it's over so I think that that could be something that we get more of in the future issues too that as the series goes along we could get more little bits of that and I think that's not going to be our Bruce's origin. I think that's mm. going to be the Grim Knight's origin. Ah, dang! You just blew my mind. So I, Anybody I else? We'll, uh, go along and, and show us uh, as we go along how this Batman uh, was created. That is fucking packing. I uh, was almost hoping this would become uh, the Grim Knight kills the DC universe. <laughs> I love I love the fact. My favorite part of this book is the fact that I want to think that Scott Snyder gave me a personal shout out. Uh, where was that? Um, you know, as Batman, you know, tends to have conversations with Alfred during his escapades. Um, you know they're talking about <laughs> uh, Gotham Bank should ha- should have Batman insurance policies, and Batman's like, they do. Look it up. And then later, you know, Batman kind of it, it. This was there is some humor injected into the story, but maybe it plays out later on. And uh, you know, there's just a nice little nod to DKR in there and. 
um, what makes it interesting is that, you know, what they're talking about is kind of what I do for a living. So those two elements kind of make me think that my best friend, Scott Snyder, gave me a shout out. So I'm gonna, I'll take it. Best friend writer, Scott Snyder. That's right. I mean, that's why, that's why he does what he that's does. That's why he it's is the of... best. Right. Exactly. I love it. All right. Uh, any more thoughts on the old Batman who laughs? Uh, how much? This is what six issue me. <clears throat> it is six. Six issues. Okay. This is going to be a love it that hot it's, item. It's... Oh. <laughs> I love you it that it's, it's almost like um, it's going to be like a detective story, but also very much a horror story. Right. You're going to see Batman, the worst version of Batman, probably ever. Yeah, this is this is so it's crazy, man. We got we got Batman who laughs. We got Grim Knight, crazy sociopathic Joker Batman, nuts, dude. It's gonna be crazy. This, this yeah, book is three, gonna be nutty. Three, three Batmans in it, and none of them are regular run of the mill Batman. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I don't know if if Snyder and Capullo thought that this Batman who laughs character was gonna take off like it did, but then it like exploded, and they've already. You know, they've already got their Prime 1 statue. They've already got a black and white statue. There, there are already four statues of yeah. Batman Who Laughs. Yeah. And now you're getting another version that it's probably going to blow up as, and be just as popular, too. Right. And yeah, I mean, we, if you guys... We have the line of uh, all the other metal statues coming. Uh, I think, is it Dawnbreaker that's coming next? Yeah. And then there, there are all these metal statues, all the uh, Batman from the Dark Multiverse. And I think uh, going along with that, if this series uh, does as well as I'm sure it's going to, we're probably going to get uh, those following uh, comic series for all, for all the others. Yeah. Looking like uh, looking like it's going to be a grim night Christmas, baby. All right. All right, people. You guys good good yeah all right well um that's gonna do it for us here at bat force radio uh go ahead and give us a follow on the old instagrams at the bat force check us out on uh the old twitter at the underscore bat force um make sure to leave us a rating and review on itunes uh subscribe to us on soundcloud all you crazy people that are listening to this before you even read your books i don't know what the fuck you're thinking <laughs> but thank you very much for sticking with us and yeah, um, we'll see you, we'll catch you on the flippity flip.